Welcome to our 11th show. Well, we covered some news. We got Justin Trudeau making a bigger ass of himself than Joe Biden. We also are going to talk a little bit about the Swan Bitcoin BitGo news that was just announced. Uh, very exciting and interesting story there. If we see something pop up in the meantime, we will be discussing. But then, of course, we will be diving into our three questions the day after we cover some news. But let's start with Justin Trudeau calling upon price controls for Canadian grocery stores. This comes a week after, you know, more details started to come out around Biden's price controls for prescription drugs in the Inflation Reduction Act. I don't know how these people who have never, I don't know, read a history book have been elected in public office. Let's just, let's walk through one very simple example that Justin Trudeau may be able to relate to. But in the 1700s, France imposed price controls on apples, essentially dictating how much the farmers could charge for the apples that they harvested. So what did what incentivized the farmers from harvesting their apples? Absolutely nothing anymore. They actually stopped harvesting their apples and production of apples de- decreased so drastically that prices had to shoot up because of supply and demand until eventually the price control was lifted. This was a a small small spark that led into the French Revolution. Of course, there were countless other things such as the extravagant spending of the government, hmm. the corruption within the government, hmm. the widening gap between the rich and the poor, hmm. the crazy taxation system that unfairly taxed the poor more than the rich. I don't. I honestly, Alex, I don't know if I'm talking about America right now, Canada right now, or France in the 1700s. Well, I mean, to your point, it's happened time and time again. Look, price controls disrupt the natural supply and demand dynamics. It leads to inefficiencies in the market. It leads to panic in the markets. It leads to shortages or surpluses that can bankrupt people trying to run simple mom and pop shops and big, big retailers. We've seen them at home. We've seen kind of murmurings about them at home. We've seen, to your point, it's, it's hilarious, but I think I disagree. These people have been reading their history books. They've been reading the wrong history books. You know, they've been reading, you know, MMT. They haven't been studying their Austrian economics. Their, their understanding of economics isn't rooted in reality. It's rooted in power and what's going to help them expand their power, further inflation. So they refuse, you know, they're not incentivized off the bat to view the world, to view any kind of inflation-free world. That's not in the calculus. And if you talk to most Americans or, or Canadians today, I think you'll find that that has been indoctrinated into them as well. I mean, sometimes I talk to my parents and they're like, but you can't have a, you know, a fixed supply of money. You need just a little inflation just to keep, to stimulate the economy. You know, it's so good for the economy, this injection of cash. And I think they've, they've got the boiling point just 
right, man. People don't feel it. They don't quite understand. I mean, many of them do. Let's let's be fair. But I think the majority of people are just comfortable enough, you know, that they're not in in the streets. I feel like if everyone felt how we felt and understood what is actually happening to their money and how they're getting debased over time and how these price controls, I mean, this is a top down like it, it it becomes a, a communist society real fast you have the government setting price you have no true price discovery you know we don't really have a free market in the states or in very many places on earth anyway so that's why i would you know i would propose and urge these canadians that are stuck in this basically falling apart country with their collapsing you know canadian dollars and collapsing us dollars at home to look at bitcoin because with the free market prices are they're determined organically through voluntary transaction between people. There is no, to set a price for something is to say that that thing has inherent value. And I'm sorry, there is no such thing as inherent value. Value is subjective. It's not, it's never objective. I can't tell you why Q values you know, X, Y, Z commodity. It's different than the, re it might be, there might be a coincidence in value systems there. And, and you find that that grows around like Bitcoin, right? We have a shared communal language of value, but to give you an example, you bring Bitcoin to someone like Jamie Dimon, they're not going to see the value proposition. This guy's got a whole different worldview, a whole different understanding of economics and and monetary history and isn't incentivized to see the same value that we see. I mean, he's already made it. He's already got all the money. So this kind of number go up narrative that hooks a lot of people at in the beginning in Bitcoin just doesn't, you know, it doesn't hit them the same way. You got to You got to find a different entry point and, and they, they might never get it to be honest. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, value is, this is something to think about. Value is always subjective. It's never objective. I can never prescribe to someone why they might value something. So when you have Joe Biden saying, you know, how could these gas companies do this? How could they impose these high prices on the American people? They're just trying to make ends meet, man. You and the Fed are the ones that printed into oblivion and sent all of our tax dollars to Ukraine. And have to cover, you know, these holes, these tremendous, like historically, you know, the biggest holes in the balance sheet just ever through more debasement. It's like these grocers can't keep up. If you keep printing, they, they can't magically sell more goods to make ends meet. And they can't. There, there has to be free market price discovery there, right? You have to let people value. I mean, in some levels, yes, the stores do set the prices, but if they set the prices too high, guess what? No one's going to buy the goods if they don't value them more than the currency that they're giving in exchange for the goods. Now, if they set the prices too low, they're going to lose out on profit. So that that is the game that we're playing. And when you set prices top down, in a vast country like Canada or the United States, I mean, this is this is already the problem with centralized government in, in general. Like, none of these laws should be affecting people locally. 
these politicians passing laws in places they've never been in economies and, and kind of micro economies they have no understanding of, you know, places with different traditions, with different supply chain dynamics and just with different challenges. You know, this is where this is where local government and totally different values. This is where local government can really shine. So this is just I mean, Justin Trudeau, this Fidel Castro's son here is just an absolute laughing stock. I mean, this is just <laughs> this is just the, the most bold, like brazen display of a, of a complete misunderstanding of how inflation works and how how economics work and, and basic, basic math. <laughs> it's I, it doesn't take you don't have to reach far back in history to see that price controls have never fucking worked. It's yeah, it's a shame. Q, you're bringing up before the show Biden imposing or, or or proposing price controls on pharmaceuticals in this country. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so in the Inflation Reduction Act, he is essentially dictating that three different drugs are going to have a fixed price. The larger issue with this, and to really simplify what happens when you do this, we just have to look. Do, at do you remember the drugs by chance? Roughly uh, what, what we're talking give me about. Give a second and I can find them out for you in this show doc right here. But in the meantime, India did the exact same thing not too long ago. Mm-hmm. But the the drugs are a blood thinner, Eliquis, diabetes drug, Jardiance, and rheumatoid arthritis treatment, Enbrel. These are three of the drugs out of 10 that they're negotiating to essentially have price caps on now so this go ahead can i just point out this is a slightly different dynamic because you have necessary drugs that are you know like people will die if if they don't get certain drugs right so when you have these evil pharmaceutical companies taking you know 10,000% profit per pill sold <laughs> it's a little bit different scenario because people need to to get those drugs and they need to be, you know, they need to be docs coming on screen. That's cute. Uh, you're muted. Sorry. What'd you say? I said the dog is demanding attention right now. Nice. Nice. Always. Yeah. So that's a little bit different of a dynamic because you've got people who are sick or basically held hostage by the pharmaceutical company. So in that case, it's, it's a fine line. It's a difficult one because what do you do without a government? So that well, is also, it's a form of free market capitalism. The government's not stepping in and saying, hey, let's let's subsidize these drugs and bring the cost down. I don't know that I would ask them to, but they're, they're ex- astronomically expensive without insurance, impossible to afford many pharmaceuticals on the market today. I don't know. Q, what do you think? Are there any, are there any solutions there? Without government interference, with the with the price of these things, and without the collusion of insurance companies, would the price of these things naturally fall? I think first and foremost, we can all agree that advertising these drugs is you know a crime against humanity. I mean, that's a that's a whole separate can of worms, in my yeah. opinion. Like it's like what us and Sweden are the only countries that allow for pharmaceutical companies. No, no, to- no. New Zealand, the other the the Zealand, criminal yeah. tyrannical. You know, oh, either way, it's like whatever the two countries are, the U.S. and New yeah. Zealand or whatever, mm-hmm. they're also the l- world leaders in citizens taking these types of pharmaceuticals, prescription drugs, whatever. But I want to 
I'm going to pull another example from history because it, it's from India 10 years ago, 2013, where they did exactly this with honestly and arguably some much more serious drugs, including HIV treatment, cancer drugs, and heart disease drugs with the goal of what you're asking for, Alex, to make these drugs more affordable for patients. And unfortunately, because they were capped at how much they can make, the pharmaceutical companies were reluctant to produce drugs at the lower price. And then they just stopped making as much. The distributors stopped receiving as much. So they stopped holding as much. And then all of a sudden, because there isn't as much of this drug, but it's not as though the people are getting healthier, counterfeit and fake drugs are being made. So now there's a whole black market that is being created for these drugs. So not only are people with cancer or HIV not getting the drugs that they need because the pharmaceutical company isn't making it because of these price controls, they're if they're able to find it, it's through a sketchy black market. Like it's one thing to buy pot from a drug dealer. It's a whole other ball game when you're taking your cancer medication or your heart medication from a stranger who made it in his basement. Full stop. And then of course, yeah. that was, they had to abandon it, abandon it in 2017. And I want to. I want to. I mean, you see this with insulin pops up from time to time. It's something, you know. And then you have more nefarious ones like the the Adderall industry. It's just that's it's a very complicated problem to tackle. We could de- we could devote a week of episodes to this, where you've got these pharmaceutical companies colluding with these doctors, colluding with government officials, colluding with insurance companies to keep people as sick as possible, colluding with the food industry to keep people on, you know, medicated, sedated, dumb, fat, unhappy, poor. (laughs) And to step outside of that system, I mean, it takes a Herculean effort. But once you do it, you can see, you can see the wood for the trees and price controls start to look really, really silly. I don't know. On this note, Q, I mean, what do you think? I mean, the... The million dollar question genuinely that we have to ask ourselves is why is, why does insulin cost hundreds of dollars here in America in the land of the free, but costs $15 elsewhere in the world? And like why does a certain, why does, why does a certain horse medication that, that, that works for treatment of a certain popular disease completely suppressed? You know, it's really weird. You can't you can't roll out emergency. You can't bypass FDA tests and roll out emergency. I don't even want to say the V word because I don't want to get us, no, don't, get us don't, pulled. I, I don't want to get us pulled this early. This we're early literally going to lose our YouTube channel if you do this. Stop this. Stop this line of conversation. But but I don't know. It's sad to see. You've got something that works that's cheap that they can't make a multi-trillion dollar industry out of cheap and effective so you know of course they're going to squash any mention of that and 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 do the do the profit run and the price gouging instead and expansionary powers always if you have the option that's 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 the line of thinking of the government Hmm? have you heard of the the healthcare system in holland like what their system is no 
I think it's actually the best middle ground I've ever heard. And I like talking about it because I think it, it should be what we properly implement and we don't implement it here. Mm-hmm. And that is they have mandatory health insurance and you're supposed to obtain it from like a private insurance company. Mandatory. Not dissimilar to here in America. It's Here's not mandatory ha- here. I don't have health insurance. have it for years. Uh, that was the Obama administration. They could technically tax and fine you for that. No, 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 that not anymore. No, it's a choice. That that was the case a few years ago, but but not. Anymore. Okay. Besides the point. So it is it is mandatory in Holland, and the way it works is it's a sliding scale based on what your tax returns say you made last year, and if you the less you make, the more the government themselves subsidizes your monthly insurance cost. So rather than the insurance itself coming from the government, i.e. the government is backstopping your medical bills, it's private insurance companies, but it's allowing the lowest po- the lowest classes of income classes to still be able to afford health insurance with a little bit of help from the government while the wealthier people don't receive that help. Oh my God, socialism. It's the only system in the world that I've heard of that actually checks all of the boxes. Doesn't check all the boxes for me. I don't want to be forced to have insurance or be in this associated with this medical industry at all. Also, the Dutch people, have you been to the Netherlands? These are sick, sick people, Q. (laughs) This is is my least favorite population on earth. The Dutch people. Do you want to show Bitcoin Amsterdam right now? <laughs> no, no, we'll do that later. <laughs> we need to separate. We need to separate. I love things. the Dutch people. If you're if you're from Holland, throw it in the chat. I love your coffee. There's shops. like there's like one or two contemporary Dutch people that are okay, but you can have the rest. Historically, many many good Dutch people. Many good Dutch people. I don't know what happened. Europe has fallen. What can I say? They're just sitting around drinking drinking espresso. I don't know that I, I don't know. That just sounds like the that system sounds to me like the government is just propping up a racket and just subsidizing the insurance industry. I mean, the insurance industry in a nutshell, I mean, I have crazier takes than this, but I think for, for a middle ground where the largest complaint for people against like healthcare for all government healthcare, whatever those systems are is they want private healthcare. They want to be in control of their ability to see a doctor or not see a doctor. And more expensive, higher end private insurance affords them that opportunity while maintaining that all insurance companies are held in the private sector prevents this like fake government backstop because it's not the government that's backstopping medical bills it's still the private sector and that that is the ultimate issue globally when you see prices get out of control is the first question i tend to ask now is okay is there a government agency that is involved in this industry if so that explains a lot yeah yeah it does 
Look, I think there's uh, going to be some interesting Bitcoin solutions to this. CrowdHealth, for example. CrowdHealth, feel free to sponsor us, but free free shout out right here. There, But I think also just by virtue of holding Bitcoin, people will have a better ability to save and pay cash for medical expenses, although that's not exactly the norm at all in this country. I think that's where we should be moving to. And doctors wouldn't be incentivized to tell you you're sick and prescribe you a bunch of toxic, addicting bullshit. And, you know, people would be healthier and they would understand the true price and market value. And there wouldn't be price controls on all this stuff. Um, And you could have an exchange value for value. Doctor gets money. You get help, like actual help. Um, So I think over time, I don't know, I think Bitcoiners are probably going to more and more opt out of insurance and they're, they're just going to be so filthy wealthy from the appreciation of the Bitcoin price in US dollars that, I don't know, maybe we'll see some of these medical establishments even taking Bitcoin as uh, as collateral. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, but I guess to wrap on the price control segment, and then Q, let, let you say your last last thoughts on this. I think it's super important that the people in countries where this is happening start to experiment and play with and understand Bitcoin as opposed to any other cryptocurrency. This is not a, you know, I show this to you, you use it, it makes me richer. You're, you're, <laughs> believe me, your Bitcoin purchases have no effect on my, on my holdings whatsoever. The reality is that you need a money that is uncensorable by government and you know, when you look at places like the UK, you know, with their insane traffic law, have you, have you heard about this, by the way, this is, this is a fun tangent. So, you know, London, most surveilled city in the world, they've put up traffic cameras. I don't know if it's actually in London or a different part of England, but where they basically look for cars whose make and model is unfavorable, too old, too much of an environmental impact uses too much energy, too much energy consumption is somehow a bad thing where once it was the measure of progress in the society, we are now going backwards. We're headed to the stone ages. So they're taxing and fining people, you know, mailing them for driving vehicles that are sold on the free market. And there has been this beautiful resistance and, and, and a display of non-compliance in the UK where people are running around, cutting the heads off these fucking cameras and throwing them on the ground. Hundreds of them. They're destroying all of them. And no one's, people are refusing, thousands, tens of thousands of people are refusing to pay these traffic violations. I practice this myself with, with speeding cam tickets. I don't, I don't pay them. Parking tickets, no pay them. Nothing happens. Uh, <laughs> I have, especially when it comes to parking tickets, do you know, you can just get a new license plate and then all your parking tickets go away. It, I think it depends where you are. I mean, I've had, I think I told you about my friend who didn't pay some kind of fine. He was unaware he had ended up getting his bank account shut down. Now this was of course in communist California where things like that happen, but uh, yeah, dude, he didn't have a bank account for like five days. And uh, that means like no access to anything. Like if you run out of groceries, like what do you do at that point? You know what I mean? You better have some good friends and family around or be growing oh. your own food and homesteading. We got to get Q on the homesteading train. That's what these zaps are going for. To get Q, to get Q a little farm. Yeah, and all in, the uh, zaps are to Alex McShane's personal account 
are going to a fund so that I can buy a house, but specifically a geothermal dome because I'm homeless. That's what we're getting. We're getting geodesic domes, dude. I already planned mine last night. I went back in the pasture and I looked at where I was going to put it. I looked at where the solar needs to be on it and how many miners I could stuff in that thing. It's going to be sick. Tino's going to help me build it. Dude, while we've been ranting here, we've got a bunch of comments on zap that stream. So I got to zap all these people and read some of these. The wild hustle says big facts. I ain't down for mandated insurance. Yeah. You and me both, man. You and me both. I'm not paying for it. I'd rather buy Bitcoin. People would be better off just lowering their consumption. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think take your health into your own hands. Like insurance to me feels like a big bet against myself that never is going to pay off. I, I mean, I would rather bet on myself and take my health into my own hands. Now it's different when you have kids. People always bring that up. Like I have kids. What are you, what are you talking about? I'm not going to not have insurance for them. That's fair. It's not for everyone. Okay. Mr. Clown World says the biggest problem is that 80% of our healthcare costs is seed oils. We subsidize that poison. I would have to agree with him, man. It's actually crazy what happens. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane what happens when you stop eating seed oils, you stop consuming sugar, you stop consuming processed foods. You try it for a couple of weeks, you'll feel amazing. You'll feel energetic. You'll sleep better. You'll eat better. Your, your mood will be better. And then when you go back and you try something with those processed foods, you'll get sick as a dog and your stomach and your body will tell you this is poison. Not even once. Processed foods and seed oils, not even once. I mean, I've already shared at nauseum the story. I, I eat the meat-only diet kind of thing, no seed oils, went to a food truck, got food poisoning, almost died. Did you see our boy Max, his Max? new uh, video? Yeah, Max is hardcore about that, man. He's He hasn't been eating seed oils for a couple of years. I didn't watch the video, but I saw it. He's looking good. That beard looks good on him. He looks like a, he looks like a MMA fighter. Dude, it was really funny because like, I guess there's a whole video of like how he's been on the carnivore diet recently, like only eating steaks. Yep. And in the trailer, he literally at one point is like, dude, I can't do it anymore. Like this, <laughs> I don't want another steak. Like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was cackling. I was like, this is fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't go steaks only, man. Steaks. No, you're going to get pretty, know. you're going to get heavy and you're going to be slow. You got to, you got to diversify the meat there. And also you can't be cooking all that shit, guys. I'm sorry, but that black part on your steak, that's fucking carbon. Like, that's not good for you. <laughs> like you can't cook your, you got to learn to eat. You got to learn to eat raw meat. Everyone's got to switch to a raw meat diet there. I said it. No, but you got to diversify. The steak thing every day gets really expensive. You can have a lot, but you also have to lower your consumption of that thing. You won't get sick of it so quickly. Think of different ways to cook it. You know, I'm telling you, throwing raw like a tartare into the rotation, just don't put all the bullshit in the tartare. It, it, it really makes a huge difference. You know, maybe you got some chicken in there. Q, did I tell you that I'm getting chickens? About time. Yeah, I know, dude. Our, our, the ones that we got in Iowa are so old that they're, they're going to stop laying soon. So I'm going to get some more down here when we get back from Tokyo. Nice. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some eaters and some layers and it's going to be good. All right. Let's see what other comments these guys got. What do people even go to the doctor for? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Get Q a house. Seth is trying to help with this fund to get you a house, Q. I'm going to send Seth some sats. Oh, God. No, my lightning wallet ran out. 
Raw cow balls are amazing, said Lou. Wait, you got nice. zapped like over 2,500 zaps. How did you already run out of? Because I don't want y'all spending my zaps. No, I'm just kidding. They're, these are on different, these are different wallets. And I've got so many lightning wallets at this point that I don't even know where, I don't even know where this is. So I'm not going to do it live. But uh, all right, Q, you give know, us your take. You know, Raw meat. Man. Lost, lost Bitcoin. Raw uh, meat. I mean, look, I like sushi. I think I think raw meat on occasion is fine. Like beef tartare is a delicacy. I'm not eating beef tartare every night. I'm not eating steak every night for that matter. Like all you fuckers. You, you should listen. You shouldn't eat anything every. You shouldn't eat any one thing every night. That is not. That is water. Not you should have water every day. You should have water every day, but you shouldn't be. I mean, you gotta switch it up, guys. Food is one of the most exciting, like enjoyable parts of life. Oh, in I fact, agree. it might be the only enjoyable part of life. So you can't just eat the same thing every day. <laughs> I mean, look, I like I love to cook. Like I love, yeah, like, yeah, like really cooking, putting in effort. I I've started getting into like making sauces and marinades from scratch, and it's it is a game changer personally. And it, again, it goes back to this idea of what like, kind of sauces are you making? This sounds like a seed oil soup. No, 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 because no. I, I typically don't use any oils, and then if I do, I get, like, good European olive oil, or, although now I'm reading avocado oil is bad. Everything's bad for you, man, just, like... Avocado oil is bad. Just know, know that everything is bad for you. Olive oil is also bad, but not for the reason you think. It's, it's, it's that most of the olive oil that makes it to the United States, like these Europeans know, man, there's like these retarded Americans are not going to know the difference between rancid, you know, expired sun exposed bullshit, bottom of the barrel olive oil and good Italian Spanish olive oil. I love it. Like I can picture this conversation happening where two pretty, pretty stocky Italian guys are going back and forth. Like, no man, the Americans, they won't know, man. Just, just send them the shit, man. This is not, this is not a, dude. You just went full Scarface. That's an Italian accent. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm more of a butter guy. Yeah, good, a good European salted hand churned butter Fair. over olive oil any day. Because look, cooking in olive oil is, is a mess too. It's a mess. It's disgusting. It's over. That's not, that's not the fat for me. I like, I like, I like, I like butter as my fat. And almost right, well, here's, here's a quick little news flash for you. If for marinades can't really use butter for dressings you can't really use butter because these things have to cool shit down coins. that's two shit coins you just named right there oh, <laughs> this is two oh, non-essential oh. things that should never never touch the plate never never in this temple never in this temple mm. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. all right mm -hmm. what do we got i feel like we're we're down like five news stories today oh oliver anthony we should have wrapped this into the price control conversation Oliver Anthony doesn't know what the fuck he's doing when it comes to, he's never had so much success. It happens. It happens. You see it happen. You saw it happen to the Beavs for like years. So basically he had a contract with a venue. Can't remember what the venue is called, but you know, it held about, we'll say 1500 people. He then asked to be paid something between like 120 K and 150 K. The venue's like, cool, let's do it. We'll sell our tickets for like fifty to hundred dollars a pop, and we'll break even. This will be a great show, and people will, you know, enjoy our venue, and everyone's gonna have a memorable, grand old time. Value for value, right? Oliver Anthony says no. 
imposes some price controls of his own, says, fuck that. None of my tickets should cost more than $20. That's some left brain, like low IQ math right there. I'm sorry, Oliver Anthony, you need something of an agent or something, you know, someone to look over your, your economic situation. Cause that doesn't make any fucking sense. How is the venue supposed to pay you and go broke? You know, they would be down 75 K if you sold the tickets at 20, $20 a pop. So you either need to rethink your, your rider and your fee, or you need to accept that you can't price fix, man. You, 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 you gotta, you gotta look at the whole picture here. I know it sounds nice for everyone to, you know, I know you're single-handedly gonna, gonna raise the lower classes into the middle class in this country, but you, you gotta think realistically here. There's, there's, there's real numbers at play. This is, this is reality. So I think he could use a lesson in Bitcoin. I think he should answer the thousands of Bitcoiners that have emailed him and, you know, asked him to come to events or read this or that, or, I mean, it's a tall order, but I, I think we could get to him eventually and get him, <clears throat> you know, get him interested, get him on the right path. It seems very aligned with his basically anti-state stances at some point, which I'm totally aligned with him on. I just think this was a, this was an unsavory move and it was a totally avoidable, totally avoidable hiccup. He just, he just didn't understand the dynamics of that value for value of exchange. So yeah, let's get him educated guys. Bitcoiners right to him. Tell him what's up, get him on a Bitcoin standard. He'll make more money and he'll be able to put on shows in a, the ethical way, which it seems like his intent is good, right? He's not a bad guy. His intent is good. It's just a misguided reaction. The guy is a you know, sweetheart. I've listened to a couple hours of him on podcast. Very sweet man. Just just wants to help people and, and and basically be left alone by the by the government. And who can't respect that? So I mean, I think I think his heart's in the right place. He just needs a little help, little help there with the with the math. Q, any thoughts on that? I just think like he's and I'm not trying to say this to sound like a dick. He's a rookie. He doesn't understand the business side of this like he just wants to make good music and share it with people and i respect and admire that but ultimately and he's learning this very quickly like he's in the music business so he will learn over time i think and i, I think this has less to do with an understanding of money and just a broader misunderstanding of like the economic system we've created here like, truthfully, if we weren't in a debt-based society, the landlord isn't taking out a loan to buy the music venue. And then the music venue then doesn't have a mortgage payment that it has to make monthly. If instead it was just purchased outright because you couldn't take out debt, then you allow for the landlord or the venue owner to say, Oh my God, I love this artist. Like, I love the message. Like just come perform here. Like whatever you want to do, you can do because I'm not obligated to pay back this loan to the bank. I already own this property. Just a, a small thing I wanted to point out, but All that's right. trying to live in Oliver Anthony's world. Swan, BitGo, go. 
Cool, cool, cool. So Swan, Bitco, I was waiting around yesterday, texting some Swan employees. I was like, guys, where's this blog? We were going to cover it on the show. They never they never came back and uh, reported on the problem. I, I still take issue about how quiet they were and controlled about this whole thing. But what do I know about running a big, you know, multi-million dollar exchange? So nothing. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. You know? <laughs> I digress. God. Oh, dude, you just remind me of something fucking hilarious. Yeah, side plot. I got to find this. Where'd this go? Okay, so Autism Capital tweeted yesterday. <laughs> it was like the difference between uh, Arthur of, of BitMEX and Sam Bankman-Fried. And the difference was that Sam pretended to do good. Arthur forced pop-out announcements on BitMEX, calling himself God and telling plebs he would liquidate them for another Lambo. Moral of the story, be authentic and you will be rewarded. <laughs> uh, beautiful, beautiful tweet by Autism Capital. And then hilarious pictures of Arthur in, in the jungle enjoying his wealth. So anyway, Bitcoin only exchange Swan pledges to launch a new custodian with BitGo. Now, this is this is a first in this country, I believe. A Bitcoin-only trust. Bitcoin-only custodian? No, that's happened before. River's been on that shit for years. They've avoided... River is the beautiful exchange that just minds their own fucking business and never causes any drama. You got to hand it to them. They're killing it. Nobody, you know, they're not out there trying to cancel people. You know, you saw that poll that, that Germano threw out about Swan. Did you see this? No. Okay. Yeah. Pull it up. Pull it up on Twitter. Look at Germano's profile. He did this swan, this, this poll about Corey, about how Bitcoiners should treat Corey or how Corey would treat another exchange had this happened to them. And it was hilarious because yeah, this is definitely just karma for, for being an asshole online. But basically this is a kind of cool move. It just sucks that it's going to take them a long time to figure this out. They They said on the press release that they'd been working on this on this for about a year with Bitco. And it's going to take another year, if not two, for them to institute. So it doesn't really actually solve any short-term problems. Ripple still owns <laughs> Fortress and is still has data oversight into Swan customer data. So I would still recommend taking all of your Bitcoin off of Swan. And they, they would recommend that too. Yeah, so basically, this is going to be a, a Bitcoin-only trust company that's going to require a lot of regulatory approval before going live. So this is going to be a Bitcoin-specific solution. You know, it's not it's not BitGo that's going Bitcoin-only either. They're going to continue to work with shitcoins and promote shitcoin custody as well. So it's it's a good it's a good move, in my opinion. It's a little bit too little, too late. They should have gone and created their own custodian that is also a, a third party from the beginning, but it's better than nothing. I don't know. What do you, what do you think you? Oh, this is, a, this is a huge step in the right direction. It's been a long time coming for sure, but I, I don't want to sit here and act as though like I was building or contributing in any way, shape or form. I'm excited to see more and more of these companies sort of step away from these third-party intermediaries that don't have the same values and priorities that these Bitcoin companies do. And I think... Well, to be fair, Bitcoin do BitGo doesn't. What do you mean? They still, they still custody and work with shitcoins. They're not giving up that part of their business. 
but they fair. have agreed to create this new entity, which is cool. Fair, but this this becomes a separate entity, so it does allow for a, a layer of protection. Whereas in other instances, what happens in the shitcoin universe can come back and bite Bitcoin in the ass. Theoretically, now we haven't looked actually at the details of this, and there very well could be some sort of like crazy tie-in that if Bitgo's other side of the business does for whatever reason collapse, it's tied back to this new endeavor with Swan. Truly don't know those details, and I'm just simply posing a question. So it is worth recognizing and paying attention to those types of details, but overall, the intention of this and what this is hoping to accomplish, it's very exciting to see. Like This could be a step towards the actual separation of Bitcoin and crypto, and if contagion were to happen in the crypto industry and not spill over into the Bitcoin space because of something like this, that would be a huge step towards combating that FUD that Bitcoin is crypto. I think so. But the problem is the Swan customers have two years to try to not get rugged by <laughs> Ripple and Bitcoin Fortress. I, I mean, the sound, the setup sounds robust, but in the end of the day, if you're going to leave your Bitcoin on exchange, you're relying on trust. My issue with Swan is that I couldn't withdraw my Bitcoin. It took a month. It had to sit in there. And then it had this terrible fucking UX for, for withdrawing your Bitcoin. You'd go around this kind of circle of, you know, it was like a four-step process. It's like, no, just implement Lightning. Let me withdraw whenever I want. But no, it would hold, my, my, it would hold all of my Bitcoin for... I think it was like a minimum 10 days and then it ratcheted up to a month at one point. And I was like, okay, I'm done here. I mean, I can't, that's too long. That's too long. I don't know if that's still the case. Uh, I'm just saying, be careful out there. If you can't withdraw immediately, huge red flags. So the interesting thing about this, this plan is that they've got two routes. Basically their plan is to either acquire an existing trust company or build their own. If they acquire a trust, they aim to be live with customers by Q1 of 2024. Now, that doesn't mean they will be live. That's just their intention in the next six months here. So if instead they build a new trust, the goal is to go live by Q3. So I always give a 30% uh, ambition tax on any of these uh, projections by companies. So I'm thinking Q1 2025 is when we're going to get this trust live. And we better hope nothing, nothing nefarious happens between now and then. But also fire this, get this Fortress CEO out of here, man. Oh my God. This Purcell guy that's just, you know, like been a black plague on these companies. Yeah, man. I guess until then, Swan is just kind of owned by owned by Ripple. Swan Custody owned by Ripple. Very, very ironic. Sad to see. As, a, as an early stage investor, I want them to do better. I hope they I hope they navigate this well and efficiently and quickly. And I hope the new kind of Bitco custodian partnership, you know, makes them, makes them prop, prosperous, but more importantly, protects customers and gives a great kind of inter party oversight into a process so that no one entity can be moving customers funds around, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the dream, but that's the dream. Until then we'll be answering some Bitcoin questions now. Cause we got a little more than 10 minutes, but First one, I think, feeds in very nicely to this show today. How does Bitcoin solve price controls in a nation? I feel like we've answered that, but we can we can rehash just it really a, quick. Just put a bow on it. 
I just wanted to say, if anything, having this fixed supply of money, having a hard money makes it very difficult to manipulate the price of money. And as a result, you can't manipulate prices of goods and services if you can't con manipulate the money because there is a fixed supply. That's the simplest simplest way I can phrase it. I don't know how, how much you want to add to that. No, I think it's good. How does Bitcoin solve price controls in a nation? You have a free market. You have true price discovery. You have true kind of supply demand economics playing out, which is really what you need. It's been the resistance to embrace a free market that has caused so many kind of problems and power struggles in countries all around the world. Um, in a free market, both parties win. You can collaborate. Capitalism is good. Don't listen to anyone telling you otherwise. They would have nothing without it. I always like to point that out to people on the street that are protesting capitalism or protesting the environment. You know, they're protesting some nonsense. It's like a 15-year-old, you know what I mean, college student or something, just super liberal, just protesting this and that. I'm like, you know, all the clothes you're wearing are a result of these oil companies. Oh, or the iPhone Every that you're using to post the videos of you protesting or the glue that you're using dude the paint on your sign i'm like do you know what that's made out of you would have nothing if it weren't for capitalism none of these luxury goods would be shipped to you none of your special vape pens none of hey, their, hey, none hey, of their marijuana of none of their bro none of their fentanyl their adderall how would these these kids wouldn't even be alive if it weren't for 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 capitalism there'd be they'd be living in the forest so no, this free market collaboration, capitalism is a beautiful thing. The problem is the interference and in central planning of the state. What? What's going on with your coffee? It's just hot water and it's like, ew. Oh, that's all I drink, man. I don't drink hot water. I literally have a couple glasses of hot water in the morning to wake up my body instead of. Is it cold water? No. Body. This is a man's water. Body doesn't absorb cold water as much hot water ushered in through coffee <laughs> beautiful the most the, yeah the most beautiful drug on the planet caffeine let's try to answer at least one more question no we can hit two let's do it what do we got all right what are some of the critical aspects to consider in terms of security when storing a substantial amount of bitcoin in a wallet you want to go first you're first yeah, you have to, first of all, you have to be thinking adversarially. You can't have any sense of kind of idealism or hope or you're, you're thinking the worst of humanity when you're storing your Bitcoin. You're thinking, what could happen to me? You know, I think, I think storing unencrypted seed phrases at home is just an invitation. You're inviting violence into your home. You're, you're a honeypot and, you know, you're going to get robbed and kidnapped and tortured to give up your keys if you have a big enough stack. That's what's going to happen to you. It happens around the world. There are hundreds of people who have been attacked and had their Bitcoin and or cryptocurrency stolen from them. It happened. If you're out on the dating scene right now, you got to be careful. I would not advise letting anyone know you own Bitcoin or are a Bitcoiner as much as you may want to talk their ear off about Austrian economics because stop wearing Bitcoin people. shirts in public too. Yeah, don't wear Bitcoin shirts. I mean, I wear this thing, but also, you know, also I'm always strapped, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. And no one, no one, no one's following me home without me knowing. So 
Yeah, like you bring some stranger home from Tinder and all of a sudden you've been date raped and had all of your Bitcoin stolen, your phone stolen from you. So look, storing large amounts of Bitcoin on your person or at your home is a terrible idea. Don't do it. There are other ways you can geographically distribute your passphrase, for example, from your private keys. Now you need a two of two. I mean, we've talked about this before. The trade off is if you lose either the passphrase or the private keys, you're fucked. You can't access and sign for that Bitcoin anymore. So there's a there's an even further solution. To be honest with you, it's cumbersome. I mean, this is institutional, like bank grade security that people people are not going to adopt broadly. They're not going to figure it out. Their people are too stupid. They're never going to figure this out. It's only for the mega minds like us to use multi-sig. So multi-signature solutions, you can do it though. It's not that hard. It takes two hours of an afternoon, maybe three, to learn how to use multi-sig and to set one up. I would just say practice with small amounts and you've got nothing to lose. You're only learning. And when you've successfully stored, first of all, created a multi-sig, created this kind of quorum, maybe it's a two of three, maybe it's a nine of 10, maybe it's a 99 of 100 and you've got all your hardware wallets set up and geographically distributed. It makes it so that someone can't come into your home and uh, just like pick up a, you know, a wallet and start spending out of it or brute force attack that wallet to get the, uh, you know, get through the pin and start signing for Bitcoin transactions because they need two of three keys or they need three of five keys or they need 99 of 100 keys. You can create whatever scheme you want. And the cool thing is you can, if you want to, you can diversify those keys. You can destroy those keys and use only signing devices. You could use a seed signer, a cold card and uh a foundation device. I know that's that's hearsay or that's uh that's heresy. blasphemous heresy. Thank you. That's yeah, that's blasphemous to put those two together in some kind of multi-sig setup. You know, some people like a homogenous setup. There, there there's many. In short, there's no end to the things that you need to think about. I, I think would say the, the main the the simplest way, if I can interrupt you real quick, is yeah, sure. there the first thing to be paying attention to. beyond like before you get into like the multi-sig aspect is is this custodied by a third party is a third party involved in this or do i have this outright well it's not self-custody if you're wait what's the question specifically yeah okay i guess guess it doesn't account for that i I want to separate like self-custody wallets like a hardware wallet versus like Hot wallets and other sort of, I'm spacing on the word right now. Institutional custody solutions. Institutional custody solutions. Thank you. And that is a the first area of separation. The other thing too that I just want to point out, like I have multiple Bitcoin wallets. You have multiple Bitcoin wallets. Most people- You told us two shows ago that you had one address. <laughs> I have like 69 different addresses, okay? Okay, now he has more addresses. Good, good, good. So that, that's just more of a like, like God forbid something happens to one of my wallets. Like I don't want to lose everything in just one go. But it's it, like, God forbid the house where that one wallet is burns down or something or whatever. Um but then that, that just validates Alex's whole multi-sig approach. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, there are other solutions coming. I mean, Miniscript is going to make for some interesting fallback vaulting. Let's say 
you know, you might have, you can basically claw back transactions or set, let's say a wallet is breached, you, it can be swept to another wallet in a, in a different location in cyberspace. Dude, there's an endless amount of setups and no one setup. I'm hesitant to recommend anything because I don't want someone to take that and realize it's not the one for them and fuck up and lose everything. And it's my fault. There's simple solutions. Maybe you're a dumbass. You're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't withdraw my Bitcoin from exchange. I'm going to keep it on Swan and just hope Ripple doesn't rug me. The very least you can do is like get a hold of some SATS cards. They look like this. Maybe I can show, maybe I can show a quick example here. Don't fuck it up. No, I got it. No, I got it. I got this sick. I got this sick little screen on my phone that tells me a bunch of Bitcoin information. So, you know, tap the SAS card to your phone. Look at that. I click on the link. Hopefully it doesn't take me to Pornhub. It takes me to. Yes. <laughs> what is a SAS card? So this SAS card's empty. So don't come and get me. This is a very special one, actually. NVK, the creator of uh, Cold Card, big fan, gave me this in Costa Rica. But uh, y'all can send me sats right there through a Bitcoin, you know, main, main chain transaction, and they'll appear here. And then you have what is called a bearer instrument. And I can spend it like cash. So I can use Nunchuck Wallet, you know, a software in combination with this, and spend the Bitcoin. I don't really spend a lot of Bitcoin. I'll prefer to use a lightning wallet. If I do, it's a little bit faster, more efficient. But the point is you can orange pill someone by just giving them this. That demonstration took two seconds. Anyone can understand it. QR codes finally, like 30 years later. I mean, QR codes have been around in Japan for 30 years, but in America, we're starting to use them more and more. They have a really good use case for Bitcoin. So people are starting to understand like, okay, this means I can deposit <laughs> and they'll send Bitcoin, you know, fill up the address and you could just give this to people, you know, friends, family. And now they have some Bitcoin. All they got to do is keep track of this card. Now, is that the security solution for a substantial amount of Bitcoin? No. What is a substantial amount of Bitcoin? Going back to the very first lesson of this show, I'm not going to tell you that because value is subjective. There is no objective amount that is, you know, a big amount for everybody. You know, obviously Sailor with his bags is not going to be worried about the 0 0.001%, 0.001 Bitcoin as I would. You know, I would be devastated to lose that many sats. But, you know, I mean, Sailor's not keeping track. He's only counting whole numbers. <laughs> He's only thinking in terms of whole Bitcoin. So, yeah, that's just to prove that. Look, no one size fits all for everybody. You need to spend time looking at a diversity of solutions and you need to, I mean, it's easiest to just pick a day of the week or pick some time every week or a little bit of time every day and just start exploring this stuff. Multi-sig, passphrase, single sig, hard, different hardware ma wallet manufacturers. Maybe you want a brain wallet, different, just different ways to do Bitcoin and, and self-custody. The important thing is that you get started because institutional custody is not a viable option. You, you might as well just hold, like, what are you even doing in Bitcoin with institutional custody? It's just not even, I don't even like institutional, you know, when they're part of the setup, the, 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 the CASAs and the Unchained, mm -mm, no thanks. I don't need that kind of privacy leak in my life. You can build this stuff at home. If I can do it, trust me, you can do it. It just takes a little bit of time and a concerted effort, but you'll get there. I think we also did during that hit the 
how to multi-sig wallets in the hands of security of Bitcoin assets. Oh, I mean, nice. Yeah. So yeah. we did they get our three questions. Just to put a bar on it, they, they prevent a single point of failure. You need a quorum of X out of Y signing devices to send Bitcoin. So if you geographically distribute them, someone comes to your house and steals one of your wallets. Oh, no. Well, they can't spend with it. If it's a two of three, they need at least two. So they gotta they gotta go to that other geographical location, and uh, you know, hopefully you're well distributed. Anyway, all right, let's wrap this up. Yep, I gotta I gotta get off, but that's gonna do it for the first week where we gave you guys five episodes of Bitcoin Q and A. Alex will be back Monday. I, I will once again. <laughs> I will once again not be giving you five episodes next week. I might be, may or may not be, depends on if Frontier wants to give me internet or not. But until then, have a wonderful weekend. Like and subscribe, please. Leave us comments with questions you've got. We will dig into all of these and more next week on the show. Thank you. Yo, please like and subscribe. Super appreciate it. Shout out to everyone on Zap That Stream.